running boom of the 70s came during simpler, pre-internet times. A unique cast of characters riding that wave came of age. You never knew who would show up, and races became household names, attracting capacity fields year in and year out. Co-hosts Ron Galuli, John Gorman, and Grant Whitney, inspired by the first runner's reunion in 2019, speak with some of the characters of the era, share their stories, and where they are today. There's something for everyone in each installment of the Runner's Reunion. Good morning to our listeners on the Runner's Reunion podcast. It's March 12th, middle of mud season here in New England, and we are literally going back to our roots. Uh, Today, we are really fortunate to have one of the organizers of the Runner's Reunion, um, as our guest, uh, in the form of Scott Mason, who, along with Charlie Brady and Jerry Began, uh, put their minds together and uh, created that event back in 2019, I think, uh, that is the source and the inspiration for this continuing thread of podcast. And I'm sure we're going to hear from Scott about plans now that uh, hopefully the pandemic is fading for a 2022 uh, edition of the Runner's Reunion. Um, but before we jump into the conversation, literally with Scott, we have to say, yes, it's mud season, but you know, Boston Marathon is not that far away. And oh my goodness, what's happened on the track over the last uh, six weeks or so? We have uh, in Boston, even we have you know uh, Grant Fisher's 12:53, and then he follows up with his outdoor debut for the season in an American record 26:33. And rumor has it that uh, Scott Mason actually, as the race photographer that most of you know him to be, uh, following his days as a competitive uh, runner and and very well known as a master's runner, uh, rumor has it that Scott had to take the red eye back from Birmingham, Alabama, uh, where the NCAA's are, are being held right now. And they and you know after as soon as he shot that 13195K, he jumped on that plane and. Also, he could be back here and uh, join us this morning. Uh, a big runner's reunion. Welcome to Scott Mason. Scott, thanks for joining us. Well, thank you for having me. So it, it will be fun. Uh, I'm feeling very outnumbered here because I have three sons of Rhode Island and here I am the interloper. Uh, so, I, you know, it's obviously really important for, for John Gorman and Ron to help me through the uh, through things here. Um, but as, as I was alluding to, Scott, uh, not only were you a 14.23 5K, uh, sub 24 minute five miler and sub 50 minute uh, 10 mile runner, you've parlayed that or maybe uh, in parallel with that uh, into a career of covering the sport. Um, wow, this is, uh, you know, there's so much meat, so much uh, good conversation themes that uh, we can go to, but I got to start with the runner's reunion. How did this all get started? Can you walk us through um, that and where we are today and what those plans may be going forward? Sure. It uh, it really got going, I want to say, was it 20, 2019, uh, between Jerry Began, Charlie Brady, and myself. Char- Charlie's been on me for a couple of years before that to get something going, but I got to talking to Jerry over a couple of beers at the Fellini's Pizza near here, and uh, we get we got it going. And I called Charlie and said, "Look, let's let's nail this thing down, nail down a date, give it enough lead time to get the word out there, because I know there's a lot of people that would be interested in it." 
And uh, it, they were our first one had maybe 65 people at it. We're hoping to double that for the next one. And speaking of that, the next one hopefully will be this summer. Don't have a date yet, but we have a place. It'd be Murphy's Law in Pawtucket. And, uh, you know, we're probably looking at, I'd say July or August, you know, when there's not as many races going on, so they don't get in the way. But, uh, yeah, I mean, as soon as I know everything, it'll be all over the internet. <laughs> <laughs> so, Scott, yeah, we're, we're definitely, John and I attended the last one. We're looking forward to the the upcoming event this summer. And um, I know the pandemic had an impact uh, on the planning of this. Obviously, it's been delayed. Um, but it's also, you know, the pandemic's had an impact on, I think, your race photography. But it, also, you know, I, I bumped into Bob Fitzgerald and Michelle Lebrun from the New England Runner, and uh, it really impacted them. I think they came close to actually closing up shop. So um, I know the running and the running photography has been a big part of your your life. How how have you managed through the pandemic? Well, I mean, during the pandemic, it just I had so much time on my hands, like everybody. I really got into wildlife photography. And that ties in with the other thing I, I like to do other than running, which is kayaking. So it's like, I'll, I'll go out, you know, wherever I can find to put my kayak in with a camera, go out and shoot birds and get a workout in on top of that. Cause I'm usually paddling eight to 12 miles when I go out. But uh, yeah, the pandemic, you know, when it came to all the races going down, it was tough. And like you said, with, with New England runner, you know, I can just, I feel bad for, you know, Michelle and Fitzy because it was, it was tough for them. I will add that their, their first issue back after the pandemic, I shot the cover on. <laughs> so that, that was nice. Uh, he did a whole story on me because I, I've shot six covers for him and I've also been featured on one cover back when I turned 40 in a race in uh, the Les Pawson race in Lincoln Woods, which you guys must know is a great place to run. Oh, uh, Scott, speaking of magazines, uh, local running magazines, you, you, was it you and Jerry Began that published the front runner? Well, that was, that was Jerry's baby. There, Jerry, I, okay. I kinda, you, were, you took the pic, a lot of pictures. Yeah, I just I was one of the photographers there. Plus, I just happened to have a dark room, so I could develop a lot of stuff that we did. But we we had uh, six or seven photographers there. But I think uh, between me and the, the other prime photographer was Betsy Roundsville, and then Jerry and Kenny Field, and a few others. So we, we covered a lot of races back then. And it, we got around all over New England, taking stuff. And, and I, I still have, I have all the old front runner magazines here. I, I still have a lot of old pictures from, from back then. Half of them, I don't even know who's in the picture, but. So Scott, uh, I know as a kid, uh, I used to look forward to getting that magazine and uh, just reading through it. And that would, Jerry and you did a great job and all the others that contributed. Um, so that goes back to the early days because I know you didn't run in high school. How did you get your start? And then 
obviously you progressed to one of the top runners in the region with some of those times which are incredibly fast. Yeah, you know, back in the late 70s, I was riding my bike a lot. And uh, it just for some reason, there was a track up the street, an old cinder track. And I went up there one day, started running around it. And then I'm like, hey, this is pretty good. I started doing it every day. And no idea I was going to get into racing or anything like that. I was just doing it for fitness. And that was August of 78. And after running through the winter, I hopped into a, a 10K and it was April, April 79. And I ran like 542 pace for my first race ever. And I'm like, wow, you know, this is cool. Where's the next one? <laughs> and it just snowballed after that. So, you know, I, I guess I, I probably got onto it just because that was the running boom. You know, you, you'd pick up a Sports Illustrated and there's Bill Rogers on the cover of it, something like that. And I, that, that's probably, if, if, if anything, what spurred me on. And I just caught the wave with everybody else. And, uh, you know, I, in a way, I kind of wish I had run in high school only because, you know, my senior year, our school, Tollgate, was New England Cross Country Champions. Scott, that was going to be my next question, because I know you mentioned that one time. Um, they had a really good team. Oh, was it um, 75, 74, uh, 75? Yeah. They, were, I know Pilgrim, they, they won it the in 74. Team, yeah. They had like three or four solid runners. And to be honest with you, if you had run, I mean, they could have won the championship. I mean, I don't think they won. I don't think, I think they came to second. Was it Golgi, uh, Globally? Uh, yeah, he, one he, of them. He was uh, the year after me, but '74 Tollgate was was tops. Yeah. Well, they, did they win? Yeah, and then '75 they were probably second or third. Actually, I think Pilgrim won it that year. Yeah, they, had, they, uh, they won it on my senior too. But yeah, so you would have been up there with the top three, three or four. I like to think. So. Yeah. Yeah. Anything's possible, right? That's right. Since, Woulda, coulda, shoulda. Yeah. Since, <laughs> Scott, go back to those early days. I know um, you best runners, I think, ever come out of Rhode Island, uh, Roland David, um, who, who was good at the long distance, obviously, marathon. I think he has a 213 PR, maybe even faster. But he also had some really fast short race times, too. And I know you trained quite a bit with him and your progression from there seemed to really um, skyrocket. Yeah, I think it helped the running with Roland. Uh, you know, he, he, he was being coached at the time, so he knew what he was going to do. And I just came along for the ride. So on Saturday mornings, I would meet him at his house. At, it was a 6, 6.30 and we go for a 21 mile runs. And it was usually just the two of us and whatever pace he wanted to run. I let him run. If he got a little fast, uh, sometimes I just put my hand on his shoulder and say, whoa, you know, hold, save it for the last couple of miles. Cause that way, at least I know I can make it in. Cause we'd, we'd finish going up Wakefield, was it Wakefield Hill and uh, uh, was it Fairview Ave. If, you, if you've ever ran the West Warwick St. Patrick's Day race, you'd be familiar with that hill. It was about a mile long. 
and we just crank up that hill and then the last mile in was downhill and there were days that we'd run it in you know 505 wow. and that would be it and then I'd go to work and I'd fall asleep <laughs> luckily I was a I was a manager for the athletic addict so it's like I just tell my workers I'm gonna go do some paperwork in the back and doze off for an hour <laughs> So, you know, so I'm, I'm trying to get this picture here. So you're relatively new to the sport. You're motivated, probably because you have to get to work. Uh, you know, 6.30 in the morning, yeah, on a, on a routine basis, I'm just going to go out and run 21. What are you thinking? I mean, what was it that, you know, was it that, you know, that first 542 mile pace? Is that how you caught the bug and then said, I just want to roll, roll with it. I want to see where I can go with it. Kind of help us understand the mindset at, at that point, because again, you don't have the background, right? You're not, haven't gone, didn't do it in high school. You're in the wave, but. Yeah. You know, I, I think it was obviously when you, when you run fast in your first race, you spur it on. It's like, oh, let's do it again and again and again. And I, I loved running anyway. It, it's just one of those things that I fell into almost by accident, but still just to go out every day. And it didn't matter what the rain, what the weather was, you know, and, I, you know, I, I, I started when I was 20, you know, the first race I was 21. And I think the other thing right away when going to the races, I, I met all these great people. And I, I fell in with uh, the guys down in West Warwick, the Patuxent Valley Striders. And then they're like, well, come run with us. You know, we're going to do a Sunday morning run or a Saturday run. And I, I think it was the camaraderie that really got me going too, on top of just knowing that I was good at it. And that, that was, that right there was probably enough because now you, okay, you talk to the guys, you go, well, we're going to race at, uh, one of my early races was uh, the, the Rolling Rock 10K in Warwick. And uh, you know, we're training for that. I'm like, great, I'm in. Mm. You know, and then after that, they go, well, we're going to this. We're going to Gasky days. We're going to this. Uh, you know, and I'm like, okay. You know, and you, you just, it's like falling in with a band of thieves. You know, you, you, just, <laughs> you just got hooked so fast. And, you know, and, and maybe... You know, you, you say running in school, some, some guys get out of school and they give it up, you know, so you, you never know. I may have run cross country in high school. And then after that said, ah, that, yeah, I'm done with this. I mean, some guys run in high school and, and keep going, you know, Ron, is a good example of that. You know, John, you, you guys just kept it going. And I think that, uh, you know, it worked out good that way. Now, uh, Scott, you forgot to mention, okay, you're running well, you're getting together with a bunch of people. Uh, I think you forgot the thing about bear afterwards. Wow. Got, got you excited. I, I mean, back then, <laughs> the motivated you. Back then, there were, you, you go to a race, and ap after the race, the Miller beer truck would come into the right. lot and it had taps on the side of the, the truck. And back then, they didn't worry about, you know, liabilities and things like that. You know, you... Right. You, you go to the, uh, you remember the, the Bristol 10 miler right. on a Saturday night and they, they'd roll in 20 kegs of beer. And by the time two hours is gone by post-race, all those kegs are gone. <laughs> it was like, there was every race you go to this beer. Now, now, you know, sure you can go to the New England pub series races, which are awesome. 
things like that, but it just not the quite the same as it was back then. Yeah, people just like seem to run, they stick around for raffles awards, they go home. You know, it's over, you know, blink of an eye, like Yankee homecoming. You know, it's like you gotta kind of find your own fun. Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, I, I noticed that at races, uh, one in particular was uh, Run for Kerry down in Matunic. And uh, there are people hopping in their cars and leaving while people are still running up the driveway to the, the school down there. And it's like, people just want to run and get out. Back in the day, you know, we had to be dragged out. <laughs> <laughs> But Blessing of the Fleet, I always mention Blessing of the Fleet in these podcasts, but they still have a great beer fest afterwards. You know? Yeah. And with a band, beer, everything. So well, that's when old that, school. When that race used to finish down in Galilee, yeah, they, they had the uh, the German Umpa band going. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you'd sit around and have a beer and all you can smell is dead fish. And <laughs> now we're... I was going to say it mixed nicely with the fish plant. Yeah. Right, right. Uh, yeah. Scott, Scott, help me here getting the two parallels in your life, the running and the photography. So you're, you're, you've caught the wave. It's 20, you're 20 years old. You're beginning to connect with community and, and Roland and all of that. Is there a parallel with photography at that time? Is it an avocation? Is it a, you know, any connection or are they separate and parallel trends at, at, at that point for you? I, I think at the time I had met Jerry Began, who was uh, the editor, owner, do everything for the front runner magazine. And, you know, once I got friends with him and he found out that I, I like photography, he's like, well, <laughs> guess what? <laughs> you can help me here. And, you know, I got, so I got my start in road race photography with him and only for a few years because the, the last issue of Front Runner was August of 1981. And then after that, you know, I, I, I still, I hung on with it a little, I'd pop into some races. Uh, you know, I can remember having a, a press pass to the 1982 Boston Marathon, the Duel in the Sun. And most of those pictures ended up going to Running Times magazine. I don't, I don't recall them ever using any. But uh, you know, I, I stuck with it. I was racing a lot, but every once in a while, I go to a race with with the camera instead. It it really wasn't until probably the early '90s when Jerry Began was the race director for the Ocean State Marathon, and he'd always get on me to come up and take pictures for him you know I, I was doing them but he also had another guy shooting the races Victor Seiler who's uh, runs photo run who shoots all over the world now and uh, what really got got me going to the level I am now is when digital hit Digital's so easy, and then you can. It's easy to chase around the races, and my, and my running, my racing was kind of dying down a little bit at that point. Uh, so it, it just it, it kept my head in in the game, and uh, you know, it's nice to be able to contribute. You know, even when you can't race anymore. As I understand it, Scott, you received the Marja Baker Award from USATF New England in 2013 
for your contributions to the local running scene. And that's got to be beyond just performance. That's got to be because of, of, of the shooting of the pictures. Yes. It was more for pictures than anything. <clears throat> and it was, uh, it was kind of a surprise to me. I actually found out I was getting the award like three days before the, the banquet was held, you know? And so I, I told the guy that let me know about it. I said, well, I guess that means I have to go to the banquet. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I got up, got up there, you know, it's, 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 it's a great little time. And uh, Tom Dederian, who was the president of USATF New England at the time, he, he got up there and, and announced it. And you know, he, he said, you know, he goes, if Scott Mason isn't at your race taking pictures, did the race really happen? Kind of like if a tree falls in the woods, and I, you know, and I, I got a kick out of that. You know, it, it was nice to get the recognition. It's something I never expected. You know, you don't think about the photography end of it. You know, and I was going to all kinds of races back then. I think one year I went to fifty different races. I know. I know, Scott. Um, I for one appreciate, especially the photography from, you know, the seventies and eighties. Um, my parents didn't take many pictures. So it's good to see some of the pictures from that era. Um, and then also, I know John, you have a couple friends from uh, the Merrimack Valley area. Like, was it Dave and John Quintel? And I'm amazed at the um, historical content of what those two guys have as far as periodicals and pictures that I've recently seen on the runners reunion. So I, I know there's uh, um, quite a few of us that really appreciate those efforts. Yeah. I've, I've been, uh, I've been loving it the last few weeks with all the, the articles that John Quintal's putting up. I mean, I, I don't, I've never met John personally. I, I know his two of his brothers, Mike and, and Dave. Dave. Yeah. And, uh, it's it's just some of the stuff that keeps popping up. I I find myself checking in every once in a while. I say, like, okay, what's he going to put up next? I know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's funny. I I I've invited him to run his reunion Facebook page, like about I don't know three four weeks ago. Like all of a sudden, you know, he accepted. Then, you know, within two or three days, there's like five posts he does. You know, boom yes. boom. But I was like. Where's he getting this stuff from? Yeah, no, you know, it's everybody's, amazing. everybody's scratching their head, you know. But he does the same thing with um, North Andover. Memories of we both live in North Andover, and he has his memories of, of North Andover. And you know, locals are going, "Where did he find this picture?" You know, it's it's amazing. He must have. You know, I don't know how he. I'll have to ask him. Oh, he, he could be like me and in uh, my spare room back here, I have stacks of old newspapers that all have to do with running. You know, Boston Globes, Boston Heralds from a lot of the marathon weekends, plus a lot of local stuff in the, the journal, Providence Journal, the uh, Patuxent Valley Times. That, yeah, one of these days I'll start digging all that stuff out too. Because people just love to see it, love to talk about it. Yeah. Um Scott, I, I wanted to come back, speaking of newspapers, um, to the Norwich Bulletin. And uh, wanted, if we could, because I've, I, uh, again, on the website, there are a couple of wonderful pics of you um, as a two-time defending champion of the um, 
the Rose Arts Festival 10.6 miler. Not 10 miles, not 11 miles, not 15K, 10.6. Can you tell us a little bit about, uh, you know, that race and uh, what it means to you or what it meant to you, I guess, because am I right in thinking it's no longer, it's not something that's still on the calendar? No, it's it's gone. And I think the actual distance for it was 10.47. Okay. It was listed as a 10.6. And it it was one of those old time legendary races down in Connecticut. And I had a guy that ran on, on the club with me that worked for Electric Boat. And he worked with the race director of the Norwich Rose Arts Fest, who's uh, way heading. And uh, one year, this guy, Al, he goes, well, I'm gonna go down there and run it. I'm like, well, sounds interesting. I've been to the race before to take pictures and go to post-race parties and things like that. But uh, I was in good shape, it was 1988. So I just uh, said, fine, I'll, I'll come along for the ride. And I got on the line, it was hot as it always was down there and it's hilly, really hilly. And the gun went off and I, I went off and uh, I ran with, Joe Swift for like two miles until we hit the hills. And I just dropped the hammer and that was it. I won it, you know, pretty easily. And, uh, you know, that, that was about it for that year. And then the following year, I'm, I'm like, I'm definitely going back because I'm the defending champ. And I read the local papers and they, they were all saying, well, you know, the, the favorite this year is going to be Mike Cotton. Mike Cotton's a really good runner out of, out of Connecticut. But they said, oh, yeah, I'm defending champion Scott Mason's coming back. I'm like, okay, uh, try giving me a little bit of credit. <laughs> so that year was really, really hot. And uh, I just, the gun went off. I ran with Mike for about two miles. And I said, okay, I'm, I'm out of here. And I just, I was going after the cross record, which John Flora held low 52 minutes and I, I just went out and pounded and ran as hard as I could but it, with the heat there and, and a lot of places where there's no shade it finally caught up with me but you know I, I was still on course record going through you know nine ten miles lost it at the end and uh still I, I won the race by two minutes and uh you know that year they gave me out prize money too. So they handed me $500 cash when I was done. That, that was always nice. And uh, I have a few pictures from the race floating around somewhere that uh, my ex-wife had taken. She wasn't much of a photographer, so the pictures aren't all that great. But, uh, you know, it was, uh, I won it two years in a row. The last guy to do that before me was John Vitale. And he, he's another Connecticut legend. Uh, my winning, my time that year was around 52.50. I want to say one year Bobby Doyle won it. And he ran just be, just a hair faster than that. But, uh, but it was nice to be welcomed by the Connecticut guys. And now they all know me. So, uh, Scott, I, I think I ran the year Bobby Doyle run and just suffered during that race and. uh 
it's a very difficult course and, a, and it's always hot there. So you've run some incredible efforts there. Are there, are there any other races, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, that stick out in your mind um, over your career, either for the, you know, the social aspect, the camaraderie, or just uh, that you ran well or how competitive they were? I, I, I would say that, uh, like I, I had mentioned the uh, Bristol 10 miler, which was a Saturday night in June, which was a favorite race. Uh, it was one of those, I won it, I won it three times. Unofficially, they, they said I had the course record, which I really didn't. They, they certified the course, so they gave me the course record, even though one year Paul Oparoski showed up and ran 48 change. And I'm like, so I'm, I would never take anything away from him. You know, it's like, yeah, okay, I got, uh, they want to say I have the record, fine, but I'll dispute it. And it had a great after party. And then the after after party was even better. We'd end up at one of the Bristol guys' houses, the Bell Watling Racing Club. And uh, I mean, other races, I always had a thing for the Utica Boilermaker, 15K. That was uh, another hot, hot race. That one year, one year I, I just busted my gut up there and I got top 10 and I was just, that one had a, a really, really competitive national field. So that, that was one of my better performances ever that really sticks in my mind. And what John had mentioned earlier too, the, the, the blessing of the fleet. You know, I, I won it once. I finished second to Glenville Met a couple of times. I held the Masters course record for over 20 years. It, uh, you know, they're, they're all fun races and all Bristol and, and Narragansett. They were both, you know, monuments in, in, in Rhode Island when it comes to races that people love to run. Uh, Scott, so speaking of masters, one uh, I remember back when you turned 40, it seemed like you had some of your best success as a masters runner. But back then, you know, you were doing high mileage, I, you were skinny, 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 and you were in really good shape. Did you find that that was one of your best time periods as a, as a runner when you were in your 40, you know, early 40s? Yeah, when, when I turned 40, 40 and 41 are great years for me. And I was uh, probably one of the fastest guys in New England. I came down to me or John Barber. And uh, John is a couple of years older than me, but uh, we never ended up going head to head. But yeah, I think when I was 38, 39, I kind of, I didn't race a whole lot, but I ramped up when I was, going to be 40 and it was like I, I knew what I was doing day after I turned 40 you know I won a 5k down in Narragansett and then the week after that I was out in Newport and you know the uh, I, I ran 52 20 for 10 miles in the the, the Foxborough 10 miler the old-fashioned 10 you know in in the fall I went to downtown 5K, ran like 15.25. I was fifth master. You know, it was stacked back then, but then there was prize money. The Philadelphia distance run, you know, the, it, was, it was all going good. You know, and, and in, let's see, in 
when I was 41, I was running even better. And I ended up coming down with heel spurs over the summer, right, at, right after the uh, Newburyport, the 10 mile. I was first master there. I had run 52-56. Funny thing here is my last 10 milers I ever ran, twice at the Blessing and once at Newburyport, I was first master in all three of them. I ran 52-56 in all three of them. That's kind of freaky. <laughs> and we talked to uh, before about how that's like a almost like a double header because uh, Narragansett is on Friday night, Newburyport's on Tuesday. You only have a couple of days to recover, you know? Yeah. It's phenomenal. There was, actually, there was actually a triple header there if you wanted to go for it because the other would be the John Kelly race in New London. I was no way I could run that hard for it would have ended up being a what an eight day stretch. It's like no. Yeah, way. that's rough. Yeah, but, but yeah, and then once the heel spurs hit, that just really it really killed me. Uh, my golf game got better though. So it's, <laughs> and, and well, Scott, I, yeah, Scott, I guess you never played fifty two fifty six in the lottery either, huh? I mean, I guess that that number. Uh, maybe, uh, maybe I should have. Uh, um, so, how, how you do that three races in a row especially a longer race i don't know but. right well that's yeah that's that is something um so you know we've talked about the roads we've talked about the photography and one of the things that you know before we got on air you had mentioned was um ultras and trail running how did that kind of weave its way into your you know your experience on, on the running sure. front or and photography yeah. front yeah, I mean, the trail running, I always liked running trails. I, I used to live right near Goddard Park in Warwick, and I'd go over and run the horse trails there. It was, it was great on the knees. So when you're running hard on the roads all the time, yeah, it hits soft surfaces sometimes is, is a nice thing. You know, it's, that's probably what got me into trail running the most is just banged up knees. You know, that, that, they feel good now. It's like, but when I turned, oh, I'd say 50, my knees were really banged up. It, it was all fixable without surgery, but uh, I figured instead of letting it happen again, let's just hit, hit the trails. And the most things that'll happen to me out there is I'll trip over a rock or something, and which I've done many times, broken ribs, skin, knees, you name it. And, uh, but uh, the, the ultra running, I used to go out to ultra races with, with Jerry Began and shoot them. So it's like getting into, you know, photographing ultras or whether it's the mountains, snowshoe races. I just, I found it fun to be out in the woods with a, a different kind of runner that runs ultras in mountains. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of road races out there that, that I'll, I'll ask them, why don't you come do this? Why don't you come do a trail? Why don't you do, or even tell them that, you know, you should come up and run the Mount Washington road race. And they just look at you like, you're crazy. I'm like, well, you run marathons. How hard can it be to run 7.6 miles up Mount Washington? <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm struck, Scott, with, you know, your description of trail running, because I'm, I'm hearing literally hearing the words of Tom Egan, uh, one of our earlier podcasts about being on the yeah. trails, 
and tripping over themselves. And, you know, Tom tells the story of, you know, the doctors asking him now in his early 70s, uh, you know, have you fallen? He goes, yeah, I fall every week. And they're looking at him like he's got two heads. Um, uh, but if, did you connect with Tom at any point? Yeah, you know, I, I run across Tom from time to time. I, the one that sticks in my mind is after the uh, Green Mountain Island Marathon up in uh, South Hero, Vermont. It's on an island, mostly dirt roads. And uh, after running the race that day, that night, we were hanging around the campfire in a apple orchard with our tents. And I'm, I'm with, uh, you know, my cousin, Mark Zotarian. And it turns out Ron was in the, I did not Ron, uh, Tom was in the, uh, the tent next to us. So he comes over and we sat around and we just uh, talked all night long. He's just a, a fabulous guy, you know, a wealth of knowledge and, and just a character, you know, like a lot of the, the old guys are. It's great when Rhode Islanders get to see each other, they can, they can talk to each other. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's amazing living up, living up in Massachusetts for whatever, 35 odd years and more than that. And just like, it's nothing better than going back to Rhode Island and hearing them talk, you know? <laughs> Something we take for so, granted. <laughs> that's right. Don't ever, don't ever take it for granted. Well, you know, it's, it's kind of like when we go up to Boston and, you know, you, you, you talk to somebody like, a, like Paul Hammond and listen to his accent, you know, it's like, oh, geez. These guys are crazy up here. Yeah. Uh, I'll ask one of maybe one of our final two questions. Um, Scott, you're connected with the scene um, in, a, in, a, in a long distance way, no pun intended, by being an athlete and shooting and, and all of that. As we move now into the second decade of the you know, 21st century, what are what positive trends do you see? You know, being a fixture at these races, at, at, you know that that give you hope for the sport, give you hope for it in New England, uh, kind of going forward. Well, you know, the, the the thing that I see the most is I think the participation is really good out there. There's a lot of people coming into it. We don't not on the the, the fast, you know. Uh, top American kind of thing that we, we were dealing with back in the 80s, but just the participation. And, and I see it as a photographer because a lot of races I shoot for social media purposes and things like that. So I'm trying to get the, the happy people that are out there, they're finishing, they're putting their arms up in the air, fist pumps and all that. You know, it may be the people that run four hours or five hours. And there's, there's a lot of them out there and they, a lot of them don't even know this stuff that we're talking about. You know, they, 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 they don't all know, you know, who Bill Rogers was or something like that. They just, they want to get out there and they want to finish and they're happy to do it. They're happy with their medal. And that's what I, I, I think I see is the big thing with, with running now is just getting the participation going getting the, the people that want to 
get fit and go out there and, and just run, run against themselves. They're not running against other people. And, uh, you know, on the national scene, I don't even follow that as much anymore when it comes to, you know, who's running, who's the top marathoner, who's the top this. I, I, can't, I get bits and pieces off of Facebook or Instagram, but I, I just, uh, yeah, I, I just like seeing the joy in somebody's face when they finish uh, a half marathon and they just ran two hours and 15 minutes. You know, and to them, that's, that's the world. And I think as, as long as it keeps going that way, you know, our sport will keep going. Well, Scott, I had one last question. Uh, we know that you're the creator of uh, Runners Love Their Beer Facebook page, over 900 members, and you're a well-known beer snob. What I'd <laughs> like to know is, when's the last time you had a Bud, Bud Light, Miller, or Miller Light beer? That's what I want to know. Um, you remember? <laughs> yeah, actually, that, that, that's probably pretty easy. Uh, I'd be looking at uh, the Narragansett Marathon last October. And the only reason I know this is because I don't know. Do you, do you know Mike Proto? He's uh, Mike, Mike Proto's a fixture down here uh, from Bristol, and he shows up at these races, half marathons, marathons with a cooler. And once the race is over, he'll just dip in and go, hey, Scott, you need a beer? And I'm out there shooting. And he'll just, he'll put like a Bud Light in my hand. And some of these races, it's hot out. And I've been dying out there. And I'm like, I don't care. Crack it open, boom, down it goes. No pictures, though. Don't take any pictures of you. Actually, somebody took a picture of me and, and Hammond up at the, after the, uh, was it up in Jamaica Plain with Doyle's and with both standing oh, there. Oh, Doyle's, yeah. Yeah, we're both standing there holding Pabst Blue Ribbons. And I, I caught a little grief for that. <laughs> I'm like, hey. Well, Pabst is know. kind of cool, though. But that, 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 that was that. kind of a young beer, you know, or a, a hipster beer. Mm -hmm. So what? I probably fit in pretty well with that. And, and I do have the occasional Narragansett, especially with the new Narragansett. Uh, place up in the Rhode Island, that's fine. So. Well, yeah. as the as the uh, the interloper upstate New Yorker, I'm going to guess, Scott, now that I know that you're a, a, a beer snob, that you've never had a, a, a Jenny cream ale. Yes, I have. And, you know, and uh, even with Utica Boilermaker, you know, kind of mats or any of that kind of stuff. For, but for, I was going to say the first beer that I really got into was were Jenny creams. No kidding. Oh, my God. How I walked right into that one, didn't I? Uh, <laughs> well, on this note of levity um, and with great appreciation, I might add, for, you know, uh, you know, the 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 idea, the execution of getting that first runner's reunion going and now getting ready for a sequel um, for your own running exploits, your uh, in your own right. And for what you've done for the sport and keeping it live and vital for those of us who are, are hanging around and kicking around and, and those who are uh, representing the new wave. Um, I, I, I want to thank you. Um, I won't speak for, 
John and Ron, because they can add their own thanks. But I want to thank you for joining us this morning uh, for the latest uh, edition of the Runner's Reunion podcast, literally inspired by that first Runner's Reunion. No, it's been fun. I've enjoyed this. Yeah, well, been a pleasure. And we look forward to the, uh, the next uh, Runner's Reunion. Maybe you guys can do a remote from that. Yeah. <laughs> don't don't forget there's a hotel room the hotel connected to the Murphy's Law. So and, and have, we're, have fun. <laughs> and we're, Nobody's Charlie, driving home. Charlie's <laughs> hoping to get some special rates on that too. Yeah. <laughs> well, on that note, I'm gonna count us out. Thank you again, Scott. Thank you.